Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. I want to look in Psalm chapter 122, and I'm also going to read you a verse from Acts chapter 20. Uh, And we'll read that here in just a moment as well, just one verse there. And then I want to give you just a few simple thoughts uh, that will hopefully be a little bit of a help to you this morning. Psalm chapter 122. Thank you for being here this morning. Amen. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, It's, uh, I know that I'm called to preach and to be in season and out of season. And Brother Tim, I've preached to an empty church. Amen. In fact, the first time that I came here and preached in 2020 after all this stuff with COVID... Uh, we weren't back in church yet in most churches, and y'all were, uh, there was just a handful of people, or maybe uh, probably fewer than 10 people in the whole building, just kind of spread out. It's a lot better to preach when there's people in the building, amen, because they can respond, amen. My dad at that time, he was going and preaching for the live stream. Uh, my sister went and printed pictures of everybody in the church and literally stuck a photo of them where they sat. That's right. So it was like he was preaching, amen. He <laughs> said, ain't that silly? Well, you know, when you're preaching to yourself, it can get a little bit discouraging. So instead, he preaches he preached to pictures of other people and still just himself. Amen. But that was a little bit of a help. To him. It's good that you're here. Amen. I'm glad you're here. And I hope that you've come looking for something from the Lord because I don't have anything to give you from me that's worth anything. But I've got a Bible right here that's worth everything. Amen. Psalm 122 and verse one, the Bible says, "I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord." Now we know that's a song of degrees of David and these psalms were often sang as they would, it said, tradition, as they would walk up toward the temple. When they would walk up toward Jerusalem and different things and and, uh, when you see that song of degrees, some say that that means it's a song of walking up, amen, and going toward God's house. And this song of degrees, the first line, I mean, it kind of lines up, doesn't it, where David said, I was glad. When they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And that's often quoted at my, uh, uh, my dad's assistant pastor, Brother Gordon Berry. He's a great man. Uh, he's a, a, a wonderful man. Amen. Loves the Lord. And I've heard him say it. I don't know how many times I've heard him get up on Sunday morning because he'll open the floor and say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I think that's the right spirit. Amen. That it's, I'm glad to be here. Amen. I know it's Sunday, and, and we work Monday through Wednesday, and you get tired, and some on Saturday, and you get tired, but coming into God's house ought to be a source of gladness, amen? To come in here and to find yourself here in this place, in Acts chapter 20 and verse number 7, uh, we read here, and this is actually the account of how that Paul uh, essentially raised a man from the dead who fell out of the window. I'm going to read you this verse, Eutychus was his name. Verse number 7, the Bible says, And upon the first day of the week, that's Sunday, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. 
Amen. I'm going to read that verse every time from now on before I preach. Just so if I get done before midnight, I'm still doing good. Amen. I don't know what time they came together to break bread, but it wasn't 1130. Amen. Amen. I mean, now, if you were looking at the culture of the time, you're probably looking, you could say if it's supper time, let's just give them the benefit of the doubt and say sundown. So, you know, six, seven, even eight o'clock. Well, that's a four-hour message. That's a long message. Amen. And I don't know if I'd be any better than Eutychus. The, the, the dumb thing he did was sit in the window. Don't sit in the window during a four-hour message. Amen. Because you're liable to fall asleep and die. Just like he did. But they were there. They came together, that verse said. And that's what I like about that verse. Acts chapter 20, verse 7 said, They came together. And that's what we do on the Lord's Day, the first day of the week. And, and it is our want as Christians to come together on this day, which is called the Lord's Day. Amen. Sunday. And it's called the Lord's Day because it was the Lord's Day when He resurrected from the dead. Amen. And we just got done observing that just a week or so ago. And we've come together, we've gathered here today on this Sunday morning, today on the Lord's Day, to honor and worship our God. Amen. In fact, uh, most churches, you look and you'll see the sign outside, and it'll say 11 a.m., worship service. You'll see that. And the reason they call it that, well, yes, it is tradition, but the reason it's called that is because that's what it's really intended for. It's for us to come together and to worship our God. Amen. Church is not a social club. Amen. Uh, church is not just a chance to see your friends, although I enjoy seeing all of you here and, and fellowshipping before church and after church and all those things. I love doing that. But that's not why we come together on Sunday. We come together to worship and honor our Lord. Amen. We come to His house, the house of the Lord. And as I begin to think about this place that we call the house of the Lord, we call it the church, we call it the house of God, at times it's called the sanctuary. I consider this place, and I'm reminded of the many, the many absolutely essential and irreplaceable functions that the church offers us. This place. I've been in church my whole life. Some of my earliest memories, if you will, are of being in church. Amen. There was a little blue Sunday school room in the basement of Friendship Baptist Church where my dad pastored from the time I was three till, I don't know, eight or seven or eight years ago, something like that. And I, that little blue room is, is plastered into my mind because as a young boy, very, um, you might not believe this, but I misbehaved a lot. And my dad said that my mom had to take me down to that little blue room a lot. And I'm pretty sure he's right because I remember that blue paint very well. Just going, having a meeting with the Lord downstairs, a different kind of meeting, you know, than the one he's having upstairs. Amen. I remember being in church. I remember seeing those little slides in Sunday school. And I remember all those things, all my earliest memories, most of them I can think back and I remember being in church. Amen. I remember being in certain churches and certain places across the country. I, that has been my life. And I do not begrudge that. Amen. I do not begrudge that because the reason I was in church is because of my Lord. Amen. And when I was eight years old, I became a child of God when I got saved. And am I going to sit here and act like I've always wanted to go to church when I've gone to church? No, I have not always wanted to go to church. But can I tell you, I'm so thankful that we have a place to come together and find some things that we need. As I look through my Bible, I find that the church offers a number of many different blessings and helps and things to us. And this morning, I just want to kind of point a few of those things out to you so that we can rejoice together at the blessing that God has given us in giving us this church. Amen. 
Can you say thank God for this church? I want to thank God for this church. Amen. First, I want you to see that church is a place of rendering God's Word. In Jeremiah chapter 26, turn over there with me if you've got your Bible. I'll give you a couple thoughts from there in Jeremiah chapter number 26. Jeremiah was a prophet who is known as the weeping prophet. Known as such mainly because of his writing of the book of Lamentations, for a lament is a great weeping and mourning of the suffering of Israel and the suffering of himself. Amen. Jeremiah was a man who suffered and endured a lot of hardship and a lot of trouble in his life, and it was all a direct result of preaching. Amen. Jeremiah dealt with a lot of suffering in his life as a direct result of preaching. And in Jeremiah chapter 26, verse 1, uh, the Bible says, In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, came this word from the Lord, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Stand in the court of the Lord's house, and speak unto all the cities of Judah, which come to worship in the Lord's house, all the words that I command thee to speak unto them, diminish not a word. So we see here uh, that Jeremiah is told from the Lord to stand in the court of the Lord's house. Amen. Now I realize, and I'm sure that many of you realize, there is a doctrinal difference between the temple and the tabernacle and the New Testament church. And I understand that. But both are referred to as the house of God and the Lord's house. Because they do both offer many of the same things. And one of those things was a rendering of God's Word. They would gather together at the Lord's house to worship, and then a man, a priest, or a man of God would then render unto them the words of God. Amen. I've often heard it said, nobody likes to be preached to. Amen. But can I say, I enjoy preaching. I like to preach, and I like to be preached to. Amen. I enjoy getting to sit down and to hear a man of God stand up and open his Bible and show me something from the Word of God. You know how many things I have learned through preaching? You know how many times God has literally saved me because of preaching? He saved my soul because of a preacher standing up and declaring the Word of God and then the Holy Spirit convicting my heart. Amen. He saved me because of preaching. Amen. He has saved me from my sin in my life when I would go the wrong way through preaching, being in church, and the man of God get up, or in Sunday school, the teacher get up and start teaching, and, and the Word of God be rendered there to me, and me realize I'm not right with God. You ever realized you wasn't right with God? Amen. How about the rest of you? Have you ever realized, wait a second, I'm not right with God. A few weeks back when Dad came and preached, I'm pretty sure, I could be wrong, but I think he told a story about that, didn't he, with me? Yeah, he likes to rub that in my face. I don't know why he enjoys that so much. Actually, I do. It's because he's, he's, he's just a hateful person down deep inside. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he, just, he just likes it. And uh, we were sitting in church, and I don't remember what was going on like with me or in the message, All I, but I do remember the feeling of the chastisement of the Holy Ghost. Amen? I remember, I don't even know who was preaching. Dad wasn't preaching. I don't remember who it was. Maybe Brother Gerald or some, some other man was preaching, but I began to feel convicted about something in my life, and I realized I need to get this right with God. And while he was preaching, I was sitting there like this, just kind of like, Lord, if you'll just let me get to the end of this message, I'll go to the altar and I'll get right with God. Amen. you ever experienced that? You should. Amen. When the preached word comes to your house, when it comes to your lap, when it comes to your face, and it comes right to you, 
It's there for you to do something with it. Amen? I don't know how many times I've been in church and the Lord has shown me something and spoke to me, and I really like how that the Lord told Jeremiah there in verse 2, He told him to stand in the court of the Lord's house and to speak to the cities of Judah and let it all out. And He said this, Diminish not a word. Speak unto them every word that I command you to say. It's not always fun to stand up and say what the Lord puts on my heart. But if I'm going to be a man of God, I'm going to be a preacher, and I'm going to... If you're going to go to a church where God's going to work, you need someone who will say what God gives them from His Word and will not diminish a word of it. Don't ever take the power out of God's Word. Amen? It's a place of rendering. It's a place of reverence. And there in verse number 2, it said, to stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak unto all the cities of Judah, it said this, which come to worship in the Lord's house. We hear that word worship, and today... The word worship and praise are used interchangeably. But can I tell you, in your Bible, they're two very different things. The word worship here, it comes from the Hebrew word shakah, meaning to depress physically, which means to push down. That is, to prostrate oneself reflexively in homage to royalty or to God. It is to bow oneself down, to crouch, to fall down flat, to humbly beseech, to make obeisance, to do reverence, to make, to stoop, to worship. Heard a preacher say one time that the word worship, it implies the same sort of obeisance and the same sort of, of lowering and same sort of, of debasing of oneself as a dog licking the hand of its master. Can you think of anything more debasing, more humbling than licking the hand of your master? But worship is supposed to make you that low. When they would come to worship in the house of God, it was not up here, it was down low. Worship was a lowering of yourself. They would often lay flat on their faces. Amen. You ever laid flat on your face before God? I remember one time as a young man, we were at the house, and our, our neighbor, Brother Tim Berry, he was a missionary to the jails, and he came over to my dad. My dad owns 50 acres of farmland. He came to me and said, what's the lowest part of this farm? The lowest, deepest, lowest part. And dad said, well, I think it's probably this spot over here. There's, there's like a sinkhole over in that way. You know, why? Why are you asking? He said, I just feel like I need to get low. What he wanted to do was worship. He wanted to get himself as low as he could and pray. And there's something to that. Can I tell you there's something to that? Heard a man say one time in a church that we attended that he does not bow and he would not bow. He said, I, I don't bow to anybody. I said, well, you will one day. The Bible says every knee shall bow. Don't hesitate to worship in this place. Amen? Now, when we use that word in our modern vernacular, I know sometimes we're talking about praising the Lord, and it's a place of praise too. We'll talk about it here in a minute. And that's wonderful, and we need that. Can I say amen? We need that. Amen. My wife stood up here this morning and struggled with that last chorus because she began to praise the Lord in her heart. Amen. And as far as I'm concerned, that's the best singing we could have in this church. It's the kind where you can't get through it. Hallelujah. The kind where after we sing, what a day that'll be, Brother Pop, he just can't help but just praise the Lord. And we need that. Amen. But you know what else we need? We need worship. We need true worship. And true worship comes in like this. He must increase, and I must decrease. Can you say amen? 
That's what the house of God is for. It's a place of reverence. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 25, I said, that, said this, To whom then will you liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things, that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of His might, for that He is strong in power, not one faileth. Who's that talking about? It's talking about God. And we need to realize that He is high and lifted up, and He is above all, and He is greater than all. And there's nobody like Him. And that we, as a few verses previous to that in that chapter says, we are as grasshoppers. We're just nothing. Amen? The message of the world is you are great, and you are wonderful, and you are fantastic, and you have so much. And can I tell you, God has it all, and we don't deserve any of it. We don't deserve His love and mercy and grace. And when we come in here, you want to have a mindset of worship, that's it. God, thank you for being so good to me when I don't deserve it. Has He been good to you when you didn't deserve it? Amen. He has exacted of me less than my iniquity deserves. That's what the Bible says. That if I got what I really deserved, you know, we don't want to talk about fair. Amen. It's a place of repentance. Verse number 3 says this, If so be they will hearken, and turn every man from his evil way, that I may repent me of the evil which I purpose to do unto them because of the evil of their doings. The Lord said this, I want you to go and to preach to them. When they come into worship, Jeremiah, I want you to stand up in front of them and declare my words to them, and hopefully they will hearken. That's what he said. That word hearken, it means to listen, to attend, to give heed to what is uttered, to observe or to obey. It is a careful hearing of someone or something as well as responding appropriately in obedience or action. That's what it means to hearken. Now when these people were come in to worship God, to bow down, here's what God said. I want them to come in and bow down. I want you to stand up and preach. And when you preach, I want them to listen. And I want them to repent. I want them to respond. James said, be not hearers only, but doers also. Isn't that what he said? It's, it's one thing to hear the Word of God. This morning in Sunday school, we were talking about the inspiration of the Bible and why we believe that the Bible is inspired and right and true. And it talked about how that certain uh, liberal theologians in the early 1900s began to propagate this idea that we couldn't trust God's Word. And they began to doubt God's Word and to try to poke holes in God's Word and and in doing so, they didn't realize that they were bringing about a future generation that would be godless, which we're seeing now, because of theologians. Because of people who thought they were smarter than God, bigger than God. And the reason is because of this. This is why man rejects God's Word. They don't want to listen to it. That's it. That's it. In the same in the Sunday school class, we looked at an example and said, if this were a collection of secular books and secular writings, there would be no discussion and no arguing over its veracity. Someone would say, well, this is one reason why we believe it's right and why it's real and why it is what it is. And they say, oh, okay, well, we believe that and we'll just teach it in school. Amen. Like collections of, written by William Shakespeare or other uh, antiquated authors and different things. We have their writings and there's no question as to whether or not those things are real and true even though we can't necessarily nail down all of the history around them. But the reason that God's Word is constantly under attack it's because man does not want to hearken to God's Word. Amen. Here's what God told Jeremiah. Stand 
and preach because I want them to hear me. Now, I realize that we're not Israel. Amen. We are the church and we are under grace. But God was telling Jeremiah, if they'll stop and hear me, I'll rescue them. If my people, which are called by my name, he said, if they will turn again, repent, repent. This is a place of repentance. Amen. I am not any great orator. I don't have any great words to offer you this morning or any, any wonderful knowledge. or I, I'm not so charismatic or any of those things. The only thing I have is a Bible. And I know you're not here to hear what I've got to say. But we need God's Word. We don't just need to hear it, but we need to hearken to it. And this place, this is where we come to get it. Amen. It's where we come to get it. When I, when I study and I pray and I seek out, I don't think, God, give me a catchy title. I don't care about that. God, give me, give me, give me something new, something, something nobody's ever heard before. I don't ask God to do that. I'll be honest. I don't think I've ever asked God to do that in a message. You know what I ask God? Show me what you want me to say out of your word. God, have your will. That's my prayer. God, have your will. In the preaching, in the singing, God, if you want to interrupt the service and we'll just sing and we won't have no preaching, great. I just want you to be pleased. You know what pleases God? When his word goes out and his children hear it, receive it, and hearken to it. Amen. It's a place of requests. 1 Samuel chapter number 1, we read the account of Hannah and how that Hannah was there living in that home with Elkanah. And Elkanah, her husband, he loved her. The Bible said he loved her so much and he, he was really good to her because the Lord had closed up her womb and she couldn't have children. But her, uh, Elkanah's other wife would mock her and provoke her. And verse 7 said, they went year by year, they would go to the temple. And when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child then, I will give unto him the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. We have a perfect example here of someone coming to the house of the Lord with a spirit of worship. She is abasing and humbling herself, and she is praying out to God, and you know what she calls herself again and again? Thine handmaid, thine handmaid, thine handmaid, which is to say, I'm your servant, and you are my master. God, I'm just asking you for this unworthy, undeserving handmaid that you would give me a son. Now, I have no doubt that she'd said those things before to God. Lord, will you give me a son? In her heart, I wish God would give me a son. But there's something special about going to God's house with a request. I can think of times in my life, a couple of times where... Maybe we were going through something particularly difficult, whether it was financial or whether it was just emotional or whether it was with family or whatever it may have been. I, I remember at least two or three occasions where I was having a rough time or a rough day, and I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to the church. 
And I went to the church where we attended. And I went inside and nobody's there. The lights aren't even on when you walk in. You turn the light on, you step in. It's quiet, nobody's there. And I'd walk down, I'd get down on the altar. Just me. And pray. Because I needed, I needed help from God. So well, you could have prayed at home. Amen. I could have. In fact, I did, I'm sure. But sometimes in life, when you really need help, there's one place where you can go to get help like nowhere else. Not everybody's saved in church. I was. Not everybody gets right with God in church, but I have. I was called to preach in church. Amen. I was married in a church. I dedicated my daughter Peyton in a church to God. I dedicated my son Link to God in a church. All the greatest events of my life took place in the house of God. If I need help, you know where I'm going to go? Church. I'm going to come here to the house of God. I, I can't tell you how many times in the last couple years as we've been here that I've been in the church by myself up there in my office praying and thinking, you know what, I, I, I need to get a little closer and just come down here and get down on this altar and pray and ask God, right here, why is, is, can God hear me better here than up there? No. But there's just something special about being in God's house. It's a place of requests. When Paul said to make your requests known unto God, can I tell you, there's no better place than here in God's house. There's no better place than right here on that altar, going down and asking God to do something for you that you... I mean, her, her whole body and soul were in so much grief and sorrow that Eli, a real spiritually discerning priest, thought she was drunk. And all she was was caught up in a sorrowful prayer begging God in the Spirit to give her a son. This is a place of requests. That's why on Wednesday night we come together and we have the things from Facebook that have been posted and we mention them and Brother Joe always asks, does anybody else have any other requests that we want to mention now? Because we're going to pray together here in this place. Because it's special. Amen. It's special. This place is special. It's special to me. Is it special to you? This house, it's a house of repentance. It's a place of rendering the Word of God, a place of reverence. It's a place of request. It's a place of rejoicing. Psalm 116, 19, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of the O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. Where? In the courts of the Lord's house, praise ye the Lord. Psalm 150 and verse 1, praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. So what's His sanctuary? Well, that's here. That's the house of God. That's church. This is a place of worship. And when we come in with a heart that is humble toward God, amen, and we come in with a heart that is open to God's Word, you know what's going to happen? There's going to start being some praise. Now, if we come in here with a cold heart toward God, bitterness toward God's people, probably not going to be much praise going on from us. But when we come in here to worship, and we come in here to hear the Word of God, and to seek God, and seek God's help, praise almost becomes an immediate reaction. When we stand and we sing, what a day that will be, you'll see hands go up across the crowd. You'll see tears begin to run down the face of the saints. When my wife stands up and begins to sing, Jesus is precious to me. Her heart but can't think about how precious Jesus is. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we just, we come in here and I think we've just got too much going on in here about what's going on out there. But this place, this is a place of praise. 
Psalm 100 and verse 1 said, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endureth to all generations. Where did David say to come with thanksgiving and come with praise? Into His courts, into His gates, into the house of God. Right here, with praise. We often reference that first verse, don't we? To make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And when we do that, oftentimes we're talking about singing, aren't we? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord with singing. But you'll find if you actually look, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with, with making that application. But if you look here, there's actually a difference between verse 1 and the next part of the verses there it says, before his presence with singing. There is a distinction made between a joyful noise and singing. You look at that word noise there, when we think about the word noise, we think about it in a sort of negative context, don't we? Why are you making all that noise? Or as we'd say around here, why are you making all that racket, right? Well, that word noise, if you look at that word and, and what it meant at the time of the writing and all those things, the proper connotation of the word noise is a loud, triumphant, and joyous shout. Amen. Now, wouldn't that be something? We started hearing some shouts in here. It's kind of like, you know, when your team scores the winning goal at the buzzer beater, woo! Like that. Here's what the writer said. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Oh, well, I would never do that. Maybe you should think about it. Amen. Maybe you should ask the Lord to give you a shout. Amen. So maybe it's just an amen. Maybe that's all you can handle without literally catching flame. You never know. But I'll tell you this. When we come into his house, it is not a place of being solemn. What part of Psalm 100 is solemn? Now, are we to reverence the Lord? Absolutely. In our hearts of worship and the lowering of ourselves and honoring him for who he is. But you'll find that a lowering of yourself and an honoring of who He is will bring you from down here in worship to up here in praise. Amen. It's exactly what it'll do. It'll bring you from down here in worship to up here in praise. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. Amen. That's praise. And church is a place of rejoicing. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what this place is. It's a place of rejoicing. It's a place of restoration. We won't read it for the sake of time, but in Luke chapter 15, you have the account there of the prodigal son and how that the prodigal son is there at home. You know where he is? He's in the father's house. And he leaves the father's house. And he goes out into what the Bible calls the far country. And when he goes into that far country, he takes all of his inheritance and everything that was supposed to be coming to him and he goes out and he spends it all on riotous living, drinking and partying and and living a life of lasciviousness and, and wickedness. Amen. He goes from being in a good place, doing good, to going in a bad place and doing bad. Say amen. And then he loses it all, everything he had. He finds out those friends he made out in the far country, they weren't such good friends. He found out that fun he had out there wasn't the right kind of fun. And you know what it left him? It left him alone, broke, and hungry. So what's he do? Well, he finds a man who will allow him just to feed the swine. 
And in verse 16, we find that he got to such a place, it says that he would, have, he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. What a difference in the person from the, from, verse number, uh, <clears throat> from the first part of this passage in Luke chapter 15 where he leaves the house with all that money in his pocket to verse 16 where he's got nothing and is about to eat the slop. Y'all ever seen pig slop? You ever fed pigs? You ever been in a pig pen? You ever been around pigs? I grew up on a farm. We raised sheep, okay? We had cattle sometime, had a horse, had a donkey at one point. It was the dumbest animal to ever live. I mean, it was dumb, that donkey. That was, that was one dumb donkey. But you know what we didn't have? Pigs. Because my mom could not have taken it. Because when you get around the smell of pigs, it's rough. Pig, pig pens don't smell like cattle. Amen. Can you say, I mean, they, they have a different, I, I'm not trying to be too gross, but they got a different smell. It's offensive. Okay? I don't like the smell of any kind of manure, but being around pigs is a special kind of stink. And any of y'all here this morning that's been around, you're sitting there, you're like, yeah, yeah, you're right, I can, I can smell it right now. Rough. Here's this boy hungry with the pigs. He is considering sticking his hands down in that trough or on that dirt where he's dumping out their slop and scooping it up with his hands and eating it. I don't think you can get much lower than that. Being around pigs don't make me hungry. I like pork, but I don't want bacon when I'm in the pig pen. He's gone a long way. I have no doubt he has done things that he thinks if my father knew what I'd done, he'd never look me in the eye again. And here he is, and he smells, and he's surrounded by this stink, and he is starving. And then he has a realization. Man, the servants in my father's house, they got all the bread they want. They're eating. Here I am starving with the pigs. I'll just go back and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am now no more worthy to be called thy son. You know what he said? I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. You know what that is? That is a humble spirit of worship. I'm below you. I'm beneath you. Who? The Father. I'm beneath the Father. I'm below the Father. He's a son, but I'm not fit to be a son. After doing what I've done, I should not be a son anymore. Have you ever felt that way? You ever sat in church and when the preacher preached, thought, God, after what I've done, you shouldn't forgive me. You ever felt that way? But there was only one place where he could go to get what he needed. And it was the father's house. He couldn't, he didn't call and send a letter. He got up and he went to his father's house. Amen? And you know what happened when he got there? He was completely restored. Wasn't he? Now, had he lost some things? Yes. 
what he had, he had spent it, right? And there was loss that came with what he had done and regret, and he would bear the scars of those things. I guarantee he'll never forget the smell of being in those pig pens and the way he felt and the things he had done, those things that would bother him. But as far as everybody else was concerned at the father's house, it was time for the fatted calf and the ring on his finger and the clothes on him. And next thing you know, you know what he is? He's right back where he started. He is back in the Father's house, restored. Why? Because this is a place of restoration. This is a place of prodigals. It's a place of older brothers. It's a place where we can come together. And whether you've been faithful and stuck with the stuff, and you're just still going and still trying, and you've never gone into the far country, or if you're coming crawling back from the far country just in need of some bread and some help from the only one who you know who will help you. Either way, you know what this is? It's a place for you. That's what this is. It's a place of restoration. Whether you've been in the far country or, or here or whether you've been at home or you've been at, at Walmart or wherever you've been and whatever you've done, this is a place for you. Whether you're from here or from another country or whether you're a man or a woman or whatever you may be, this is a place for you, for restoration. Whether you're young or old, it doesn't matter that God, He looks at us, you know what He sees? He sees sinners, and He sees sinners saved by grace. This is a place of restoration. It's a place of reconciliation. Colossians 3.12 Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness and humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now where do we come together and sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The house of the Lord. I told you before, those psalms, a lot of times they were ones they would sing as they would walk up to the temple. And those psalms and those hymns and those spiritual songs, they would come together in the Lord's house and come together in the church and as the church and they would sing these psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And Paul said they were teaching and admonishing another one of the, in one of these things. And you know what they were to do? He said to put on, put on the the bowels of mercy, the kindness and humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. You read the rest of that passage there in Luke chapter 15, and you will read how that his older brother was not willing to forbear and forgive. He said, how come you're doing all this for him, and here I've been by your side this whole time, and you've not killed the fatted calf for me? This is a place of reconciliation. Two people who maybe at one time were opposed can come together and be reconciled. Amen. You ever, had, you ever seen anybody get their feelings hurt at church? That's a rhetorical question. Because we all have, right? And if we're being honest, some, some of us have gotten our feelings hurt before. But church is not a place of breaking fellowship. Church is a place of restoring fellowship. Paul said, put on long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. 
That means that in this place, we need to come together. You know what we need to do? When somebody goes out there in the far country and they, they live wickedly and they live sinfully and they, they act wicked and they do wrong stuff and then they come marching back in here, you know what we need to do? We need to love them. And we need to forgive them. When somebody is mean to you or mean to your kids, now that's a kicker, isn't it? Well, they can say what they want about me, but they better not say a word about little Susie. Yeah, sometimes people say dumb things. Did you know that? You ever say anything dumb? No, not me. Never. I would never. Ask my wife if I've ever said anything dumb. I have. But thankfully, she's a Christian. And she has learned to forbear and forgive. And sometimes the lesson of forbearing and forgiving is a long and difficult lesson. But that's what this place is. We come together and we rejoice. We come together and we repent. We get right with God and we come together. And there is preaching and there is praising and there is worshiping down on our face before God. And there is restoration of those who've gone out into the world and, and gone out and, and left God's way and, and overcome with sin. And they come in here and they need help. And you know what? They get restored. But you know what else it is? It's a place of reconciliation. Just as God reconciled us to Him, so should we reconcile others unto ourselves. Nothing should be unforgivable for us when God is willing to forgive us of so much. But Jesus said in John 6, 37, All the Father had given me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast. This is a place of reconciliation and restoration. And finally, it's a place of remission. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. Paul said this, he's writing to young Timothy, this man, who's, he's, who's trying to train up to be a pastor there at Ephesus and all these things. And in chapter 3, he takes a moment and he, he looks at him, he's writing and in his heart, I believe he can picture him and he can... He's thinking on him, and he loves this young man. He's trying to speak to him, and he says this, These things I write unto you, hoping to come unto you shortly. So I, I want to be there with you, and I want, I want to help you. But in case I can, he said, If I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So what's the truth? Verse 16. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in the glory. It's the gospel. You know what this place is? It's a place for remission. Romans 3.23, so often quoted, and we all know it by heart, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know who all is? It's all. That's real deep, isn't it? That means you and me and little Susie and little Johnny and Peyton Ruth and Samuel Lincoln have sinned. Amen. My little four-year-old girl has sinned. Now, I know right now she doesn't understand what sin is, but she's got that in her. We're all sinners, all of us. Deep down... I hear people say, well, I just really want to believe that deep down everybody's good. No, deep down everybody's not good. Deep down we're all broken. Amen. Deep down we're all 
We're all destitute and vile deep down. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified, verse 24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. How are we justified? Freely. How? By what? By His grace. Through what? Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. To declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. So what does that word remission mean? Remission is passing over. That's why I said through the forbearance of God. It's God passing over, which is the image that we have from the Passover, right? That when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. What blood? Whose blood? Jesus' blood. We put our faith in the blood of Christ, and we become justified freely. Once we have been justified freely by His grace, through belief and faith in His blood, then when the Lord looks down at us, He passes over. Because all He sees is the blood. Amen? That's what this place is. That's what Calvary Road Baptist Church has got to be. A place where men and women can come and they can rejoice. Men and women can come and they can hear the Word of God rendered through preaching and teaching. They come and they see the reverence of worship and people bowing down before God. Amen. You know, your children need to see you pray at the altar. Can I encourage you? Can I encourage you for that? Your children, they need to see that. So when they get to be 8 and 9 and 10 and, and they get saved and, they're, and, they're, and they look around and someone's preaching and they start to feel convicted about doing something right or or getting something right that's been wrong, and they think, what do I do? You know what they know to do? They know to go to the altar, because that's what daddy does. And that's what mom does. They bow down, and they do that. They need to see that in us, because that's what this place is. It's a place of reverencing the Lord God, and it's a place of, 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 of repentance toward God, of getting it right. Don't come in here and have sin on you, and hear the preaching, and get up and go back out there with it still on you. Come in here and... And hearken like God said to Jeremiah. Hearken unto His Word. And rejoice and come in here and be reconciled to God. Be restored. If you've, if you've, if you've got sin and you've walked away from God, come and get it right today. Amen. Did you know you can get it right today? That's what this place is. It's a place of, of restoration. It's a place of reconciliation. You've got someone in your heart this morning who's, when you think of them, you don't think good of them. You've got anger and hatred and bitterness. Make it right. Not until they, no, you make it right. Jesus told them if someone's done something to offend you, you need to go to them and try to make it right. Amen. That puts the responsibility on both sides. If you're a child of God, make it right. Be reconciled, forgiving and forbearing one another in love. Amen. That's what this place is. How many times I've been in church and seen someone during the invitation get up and go across and hug somebody's neck? I love you. I'm sorry. Because that's what this place is. 
It's a place of reconciliation. This morning, let me say this and we'll be done. If you've never been saved, that's what this place is. It's a place of the gospel. Jesus Christ came and lived and died for your sins so that you might be justified Amen. It's all stand. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon. And we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.